Episode number 36. Trent Sports Meets Beer Podcast. Welcome to... Why are you talking like that? I don't know. I thought it would be pretty cool. You sound like Pablo Francisco. I heard a Monster Truck commercial earlier, and I thought maybe... Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. At the Cal Palace, <laughs> Destroyer kills the other Destroyer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. oh, my goodness. Outstanding. <coughs> Outstanding. Sports Meets Beer Podcast. <coughs> my, that voice. How does Pablo Francisco do it? I don't know. I, it's copious amounts of drugs and alcohol. Clearly, just because they blow, probably. Uh, um, yeah, just the, kidding, the, Pablo the, Francisco. Please come on our show. Still, I think you might <laughs> the actually, nasal drip. You might be somewhat relevant. <laughs> um, no, it's uh, episode thirty-six. Great times. We've got a great show. Uh, this part, if you haven't uh, listened to us before, uh, we got a couple things that have changed. Uh, number one, Brad and I haven't. We're still the co-hosts. Uh, Brad Barmore, Ben Perry, we're in the house. Despite uh, despite our triglyceride correspondence. Attempt to usurp our power. Son of a bitch. Every time. I brought beer in today. I brought my own beer. Oh. <laughs> we didn't drink. You, Yeah, exactly. We showed that motherfucker right there. Oh, that's terrible. He makes great beer. I don't yeah, want to. Makes, <laughs> no, but he brought it. He was like, he's all, if you want a beer for ho- that tastes like horse blanket, try this. Yeah. Weird how we didn't get to that one. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, homie. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, this, this podcast has been going on. We're close to a year. Uh, we changed up the format a little bit, so you're listening to shorter segments. Uh, you're listening to a sports segment right now, episode number 36. We Consequently, uh, we correlate our episode numbers to retired athletes uh, who have worn the number the best over the years. Um, some will say that we haven't given players a fair shake. Let's, For example, <laughs> we'll talk about Nolan Ryan for a moment. Um, there was a listener who reached out to us and said, hey, you know, I listen to you, you guys. Don't, you don't fucked up, A.A. Ron. Yeah. Um, I listen to you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm so behind on your podcast. I'm, I'm calling you now. But basically, he was upset with the Nolan Ryan decision that we didn't even consider him. Yeah. Well. Hold on. Nolan Ryan, I, I'm sorry. I just didn't see him. Great player. Yes. If we segmented it and said... Uh, here's our our baseball number. Here's our, our basketball number. Here's our football number. Nolan Ryan probably would have been in there, but he was not. Yeah, he wasn't. It's just one of those things. He wore three Sour different numbers. grapes. He wore three different numbers. Right. Uh, that's part of it. That was two. Sorry, two numbers. Sorry, I made that mistake earlier today, too. He wore two different numbers. One of those numbers he wore for 10 years. Now, they... In a, this hypothetical discussion, you might say, well, Michael Jordan wore two numbers. He wore one his, for 23 games. He wore a second, separate number. It's not quite the same thing. And if you transcend your sport... It's kind of hard sport, to, wear, to wear the same number when your number's hauled up on a hooks. If, if you transcend your sport... That's got to be a, at least an 8X. If you transcend your sport and are an international star, if Nolan Ryan and Michael Jordan walked down the street in the middle of America right now... If they went to Tokyo, Japan... If they, if, how about this? Nolan Ryan's from Texas. If they walked down the street together, how many people would mob Nolan Ryan and how many people would mob Michael Jordan? Man. I know he was dismissed as a shoe salesman. Clever, clever. Ha ha. The reality is this. The reality is this. It's a sliding scale. Look at Michael Jordan and you immediately, th- you look at the number 23 and you immediately think Michael Jordan. When you look at the number 34, you think, uh, like, I don't, 
everybody thinks something different. Right. That right there automatically means that right. <laughs> that Jordan is to able day, to transcend the idea that he wore two different numbers. I look at it and I go, how dare you, LeBron James? How dare you wear that number? I mean, I look at that right now. I think, I think LeBron James should wear a different number just solely based on you're the best player in, in the NBA right now. You are hands down the best. You shouldn't wear number 23. Yeah, and you should stop flopping like a douchebag. Well, that too. I mean, honestly, I know that he got hit. I know that was a, it was a foul. It was a good foul. Right. It was a good foul. But Jesus that Christ. Flop. Holy cow. Oscar worthy. Holy cow. Um, I just want to know how he's going to play the rest of the games with all of his uh, casting spots on the uh, tr- days of our lives. Well, I want to know how he's going to play all the games because obviously his heart exploded. That's the only way you react. That's the only reason why you would ex- <laughs> react like that. I was shocked to see him get back up. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Said same thing with Westbrook had his clearly had his eyes raked out I, of his face and I, then just got up and walked away. I actually think that I actually think that the Westbrook one was kind of legit. I mean, he got freaking he got uh, uh, Petulia's fingers right in his eye. Yeah, but you know what? When you can get up and walk away, he got up faster than LeBron did. Right, I'll give him that. Oh my! There's goodness. a great meme that's floating around right now because the Warriors are playing Houston tomorrow or Friday night. Uh, <laughs> There's a great meme floating right now. It was a picture of LeBron on the ground, and then a picture of Westbrook on the ground, and then James Harden with that crazy surprised face of his. Yeah, and it was it was Iguodala pointing at him, going, "You're next." <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, my goodness! Well, let's get back to it. Episode number thirty six. Right. Uh, you know, not every week can be a big debate. Not nope. every week can have these types of discussions. Uh, this week was one of those weeks, man. It was like, you know what? You talk about this. I'm going to go outside and wait by the bus stop. Oh, how cute is that? Uh, it's cute. We are talking about uh, a man who is 5'11", 252 pounds, from the college, University of Notre Dame, born in Detroit, uh, one Jerome Abram Bettis, a.k.a. The Bus. Tenth uh, overall pick in the 1993 draft, Hall of Famer, six-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, one-time Super Bowl champion. Uh, interestingly enough, do you know he never led the league in rushing? No. It's kind of crazy. But he has uh, like something like thirteen thousand career crushing yards. Thirteen thousand six hundred and sixty-two. Nice yeah. job. He's nice it's job. unbelievable. And I also forgot that he played for St. Louis. Yeah, that was where he came up. He I got drafted by St. Louis. Totally forgot that. Yeah, uh, just a beast. Quick feet. Quick feet was able to get his shoulder down and Especially run you for over. For a guy that size. Yeah, just a you know five eleven two fifty. He was a fun guy to watch. I can remember near the. Near the end of his career, I can remember him uh, having stat lines in games where it was like five rushes for negative two yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, just near the end, that he, he just got all goal line carries. It wasn't that big of a deal. You know, in terms of, you know, what he brought to the league, he was a power runner. He had quick feet, good pass blocker. Um, wasn't a great pass catcher, but that's not really what he was set up to no, do that's, in that's, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the one thing, the thing that I will always have, uh, always have in my mind is um, just how much he loved the game. And I can remember uh, ESPN did an Outside the Line segment years and years ago talking about, the, but this before concussions kind of became the en vogue you know, concern for the NFL. And they showed a video of Earl Campbell getting in and out of his truck to go hunting, and he had yeah. to be helped out of his truck. And this is like, at the time, you know, Earl Campbell was in like his 60s. It's not like he was old. And he get, had help getting out of his truck, and he had to, uh, you know, he was going hunting. He had to, be, he had to have, you know, like crutches or like a cane you know it's 60 years old and i can remember they showed jerome bettis watching this and they asked him like you know what do you think about this and he thought he goes man he goes that's tough he was crying he's crying he goes how do you you know i see that 
and I'm sad for him. I'm sad for him, and I, I see that in my future. I'm a physical runner, but how do you say no to this game? That's what he said. Right. Like he watched this dude doing that, and he said, how do I say no to this game? And I, so obviously, like, his love for the game was clearly there. And I just think, you know, his passion for it, he was good on TV for a while, um, you know, doing his sideline reporting. He's a gregarious guy, um, you know. Uh, I would you know, prefer him as a field reporter than Tony Saragusa. Oh, and get Ray Lewis out of there. He does not belong in any sort of commentating situation. I, my One of my favorite things ever was when Joe Flacco said that sometimes Ray Lewis gets rolling in his speeches. You don't even understand what he's saying. You just kind of yeah. roll with it. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Nice. Hilarious. Nice. Anyway, this episode, number 36, dedicated to the bus, Jerome Bettis. Sports Meets Beer. On Sports Meets Beer podcast podcast Ozzy Osbourne. Hey, Something stupid. <laughs> Anyways, episode 36. Sports meets beer. Welcome. I am Ben Perry. The man across from the table is Brad Barmore. I am Brad Barmore. That's, that is accurate. The man under the table is Kevin Brink. He's just not here right now. His mouth is full. Oh. Just kidding. Um, I kind of miss having the big guy here. I don't. I can hear myself think over all the breathing. <laughs> that was for you, Sundance. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to hang out with Kevin Brink Sundance. later tonight. Did you know that? Uh, I did not know that. We are going to the Bone Thugs and Harmony concert. What? Me, Melanie, Kevin, and Jessica, and Kazi and his wife, Courtney. Kazi from the Cos and Brew Show. Yeah. We're, we're going to uh, the Bone Thugs and Harmony concert at <laughs> the Mystic Theater in Petaluma tonight. I didn't know they were coming. <laughs> I didn't either. Kazi called me last week. That's great. <laughs> anyway, Sports Beats Beer, episode 36. Playoff football is, it's upon us. We're in Super we're Bowl in is on midst. the horizon. Yes. We're in its midst. In the midst. Much better. Uh, thank God, last weekend was considerably better than the first weekend. Yes. I thought those were actually really good games with all intents and purposes. I mean, even the even the the Patriots game was decent. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're looking at the best defense in football against the best team of football. Right. Right. Um, in that game. And, and you saw New England won in more, more than just one facet, right? They had the kick return for a touchdown. You know, the only reason why Houston even got any points is because they gave them gave them 10-yard fields twice. Right. You know, they had a couple of fumbles. Um, but they just, you know, Houston was outclassed in that game. Um, you know, Pittsburgh and Kansas City was impressive. You know, I'm just, surprised how much Pittsburgh shut down Kansas City. Well, I mean, when you get up 7 nothing or whatever, you know, when you get up 6 nothing, I should say. Right? Yeah, field goal city. Yeah, you get up field goal city. I mean, that's just kind of it. It's like, but even then, like, you, you get know, Kansas some- City's been up, been down before. Like, this is not anything new to them. And, you know, they're not a team that only wins when they're up at the half or whatever. You get, but you, you shut. They shut down. I mean, to me, like the X factor 
Tyreek Hill. They shut him down. Yeah. Their their kickoff and punt return coverage was amazing. They did a great yeah. job. Well, I mean, they had a, they had a, one or two breaks, but for the most part, they held them. In that game, you know, once they got outside the the fifteen yards scripted or the fifteen scripted plays, right? That Andy Reid still does. Once he got outside of that, Kansas City didn't know what to do with themselves. Like they didn't know how to adjust, and they took Tyreek Hill away because they're figuring they figured, well, our linebackers can run with Travis Kelsey, and we'll take we'll take uh, Hill away, and we'll just dare Alex Smith to beat us on the outside, which is a safe bet, right? Right. And, you know, his it's three steps and out. You, you're not going to run three step drops and then you know then throw a 15 yard out. You know that's a five to seven step drop. Let the route develop, and that's not what Alex Smith's game is. And so they're fast enough that they said, yeah, if you can beat us over the top, you can beat us over the top, but we're going to take your two safety nets away. Right. And they did a great job of that. You know, And they clearly got in Kelsey's head. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that 15-yard on sportsmanlike conduct yeah. was so atrocious. Yeah, I don't know what he was doing. He, I mean, There must he have been something going on before clearly. that. He didn't just randomly do that. No, no. no. Well, the, I think it built, it built, you know, from the outsider's perspective not being there, um, you know, he had a, uh, a drop play. Drop pass. Yeah, he did have a drop. Two snaps earlier, and was very frustrated. That would have been that would have been a, fir- a big first down, and probably first and goal. First and goal because he was on his he was way frustrated down. With that, the uh, the defender from Pittsburgh was all over him down the field, and it didn't get called. So he's frustrated with that. Then you mount it with being frustrated just in general, and he's a hot headed guy. He's a passionate player, but that just got the best of him. And it's like as soon as I saw that, I'm like, they're not coming back. Yeah, they have they have lost the game emotionally. Yeah, well, you know, and I, let's be honest, you know, Pittsburgh has a way of getting involved in those types of games. They um, yeah, they walk the line consistently. You know, it's impressive. You know, they went on the road and won a game where they didn't score a touchdown. That's in in a playoff fashion. That's that's crazy to me. Le'Veon Bell is um, on another planet. 170 yards rushing now. Free agent next year too. Yeah. Uh, now you know we talked about. You know, we talked about this a little bit on the radio show last week, but um, you know, I w- we were real bullish on the Chiefs, real bullish on the Chiefs. Yeah. But I, when doing a little research to, you know, make our picks last week, I found out Kansas City being twenty fourth in overall defense is crazy to me. I did not see that coming. So, you know, it just it it played out similarly to what I thought would happen. Although I thought that maybe three of those, two or three of those tu- those field goals would have turned been turned into touchdowns. I, but it just. I, you know, I know that that Pittsburgh has been really good offensively most of the year, and I know that you know they won that game. But Ben Roethlisberger has not been good. He played like one great quarter against Miami, and everything else has been really erratic. He's overthrown a lot of receivers. He made a lot of throws off his back foot. You know, that kind of stuff used to fly when he was able to break tackles and extend the play. But now he's doing that within the framework of what a normal play is, and it's not. He's just not playing that well. And I just think that if we're to the, if they're going to beat New England, they're going to have to give the ball to Le'Veon Bell thirty times again, and. Is their defense, you know, New England's the number one scoring defense in the league. Are they going to be able to do what they did to Kansas City defensively against New England's offense? I don't think they will. I think New England will get three touchdowns against them. You know, if you play the exact same game, New England gets three scores. Yes. You know, and they, so then you lose 21-18. You're not going to be able to do against New England, which you against I'm Kansas curious, City expect to win. I'm curious about turnovers because Tom Brady is had an amazing year, probably his best year for turnover percentage. Yep. Um, but I wonder between special teams and everything else that, uh, you know, as as rough and ruthless as, and, and let's go back to the last year against the 
the Bengals, right? That was a crazy game. Yeah. That was like smash mouth, epitome of like really rough football. And I feel they're going to bring that intensity level to this game. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if New England's ready for that because they haven't really played uh, that sort of game this entire season. Well, I can tell you this. That team is – there's no team that's better coached than the Patriots. And, you know, Danny Wright talked about it on the radio when we did our, when we did our little quick hitter today. Uh, he said that it comes down – it's going to be a game of discipline, and Pittsburgh don't have it. Uh, New England always does. Discipline, yes. But it's going to – like I said, it's – in much like the Packers game, it's going to come down to possession, time of possession. Right. Of who can control that clock. Um, I don't think – you know, you go head-to-head – Tomlin versus Belichick, that's a no-brainer. But I will think I do think that Pittsburgh has more they have more tools in their arsenal than New England does. If that makes sense. I'm not saying like, I'm not saying the quality of the like obviously Tom Brady versus Roethlisberger. If you go head to head, if it's a pass punt play kick, you know, whatever contest, much different. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is like I just between which I'm surprised. I'm shocked that Antonio Brown didn't get a touchdown. Uh, I'm game. not. What? I'm not. Because, it t- because Ben Roethlisberger's not been good. He's been so erratic for the last you know, factor in all four of those quarters, the three quarters against Miami, and then the two weeks. So eight, 11, 15 so what you, quarters. What do you think? Because you know, Ben has always been pretty consistent throughout. Yeah. You know, obviously his rookie year, he was thrusted into the playoffs, performed at a high level, and won a Super Bowl. Says, yeah. That yeah. was his rookie year. So what's I mean, what's it now? Is it is it ankle injury? Is it his age? What do you think? Is there a hidden is there an underlying injury that we're not seeing? What what do you think is attribute to that? Because it's just so weird that he's had there's not been a major coaching change. There hasn't been a major player change. It's not like his entire offense dropped off the face of the earth. If anything, he's just developed better players. So why, what do you think is the case? Why, why do you think that he's becoming so erratic? Um, I'm not really sure. For a guy, and keep in mind, he had the reputation of being, uh, you know, for being such a quality quarterback in postseason. I'm not sure what it is. Um, it's clearly not the talent that's around him. Uh, I think, I wonder if it's just a little bit of hubris and that he takes a few more risks. His passes have just been wholly inaccurate. Um, you look at, you know, I think it was in the first quarter. Uh, first quarter against the Chiefs, they had like a second down or third down. It was early in the game. He must have underthrown Antonio Brown by like 10 yards on like a 20-yard out. You know, just throws that he's made his whole career. You know, he's had a lot of balls tipped at the line. I don't know if his mechanics are off because he's hurt or what the deal is, but if you watch, he's airmailing a lot of throws right now. Um, you know, New England's not going to get a ton of pressure on him. That's not really their style. They're I think that they're watching what we're all watching, and they're going to sort of sit back and, and dare him to pick them apart. Um, because, like I said, you know their defense has been really good. Malcolm Butler uh, has been physical and quick, and he has played a great season at corner. And so now, you know, that Antonio Brown is great. Le'Veon Bell is great. Ben Roethlisberger has not near been nearly as good. So now you take if you really hurt Antonio Brown or take him out of the equation yeah, to some degree, of, yeah. What is how does Ben respond? Well, now it really only becomes a one trick pony, right? He's capable of doing it. I'm not saying that he's done or that he's washed up, but if you just watch what he's done over the last eight weeks or how many balls he overthrew in that game on uh, Sunday night, um, you know the weather was a factor. Obviously, it was cold and icy, but right. that's, he plays in Pittsburgh for Christ's sake. Yeah, 
It's not exactly Palm Springs. Yeah, you know, um, I just I just find it so odd, and I kind of I have a gut feeling that um, Pittsburgh is going to play so amped up. I expect probably two to three unsportsmanlike conducts. Yeah, for hitting the quarterback, and I think they're going to eventually hurt Brady. Well, here's what I do know: I know that uh, you can beat Tom Brady. Um, you can beat Tom yes, Brady that's a fact. You, by you rushing by rushing him. That's how that's how defenses typically do it. Um, and I know that uh, Pittsburgh got better as the year went on um, in terms of their uh, overall pass rush. In fact, they finished the year ninth. Um, but when you look at you know they finished with thirty five sacks on the year. Um, but New England's offensive line is good, and Tom Brady has gotten really good with Amendola and with um, what's the other little. Uh, Edelman on those little, yeah. you know, the little route trees that they run. They don't really run like these full-on routes. They run these route combos. They've gotten so good at just getting those little, fl- getting those guys out into the flat and neutralizing a lot of the pass rush. Because if you come full blitz on those guys, they're just going to hit a little six-yard out over the top of you, and now it's an eighteen-yard gain. Right, everybody's sold out. You can't do that against New England. So, you know, I think the pressure really is on Ben Roethlisberger in this game. I think. It, you know, I understand what you're saying in, in terms of you know Pittsburgh being amped up, but I don't think that it, I don't think you can say that New England's not ready for that. I think New England is probably more ready for that than Pittsburgh is, because you know Pittsburgh has I don't shown know, the, the physicality. I just I've never I've never seen or never envisioned New England to be a physical physical team. Sure, right. I mean, I uh, you know other than the like you know okay you talk about the the Raiders being physical especially in the front not so much in the secondary, um, but there's so many other physical teams you know Pittsburgh's one of them um, I would probably say Houston's another one that's a good strong physical team um, and it, it I mean Houston clearly didn't I mean it didn't rattle them but it sure got to them a little bit it's, it's the number one defense in football man right. You can't read much more into that in terms, and other than just that's the best defense in football against you know one of the best offenses in football. And it's not like New England. New England put up thirty four points in that game. It's not like they did nothing, right? Yeah, but that first half was pretty. It was pretty close throughout, and to the point of I was even texting some friends that live on the East Coast. I'm like, what is your team doing? Like, I expected this to be kind of a boat race from the start. It's the best defense in football. Right. You you watch them against the Raiders and. You know, I know that like you watch it through Raiders glasses, you think about all the things that the Raiders couldn't do, but you look at it from an overall perspective and you look at all the things that Raiders the Raiders weren't allowed to do. I mean, Houston's defense is awesome. And you know, they turn around Except and they, in Mexico. Right. <laughs> right. You know, so I, I look at that and I just I think that, you know, uh Pittsburgh defense, while playing much, much better, is not Houston's. And I I think, you know, you're right about the physicality of this game. I don't see um, I don't see them, you know, either team putting up 30 points. Um, I just don't. But, uh, you know, I don't think that you can necessarily say that, like, any sort of anything at this stage in, um, you know, anything at this stage of Tom Brady or, or Belichick's career is going to surprise them. I mean, to your point about them ultimately being, you know, you know, out physical or whatever shattered. I mean, he still threw for 279, 279 yards and two touchdowns. They ran for 100 yards in a game. Right, Julian Edelman had eight catches for 137 yards. Um, you know, I, I think they're they're also the only reason why that game was even that close is because they had the two fumbles, right? Right, and that you know that's two touchdowns, right? That that's the only reason why that that game could have very easily have been a shutout, and that's as much on you know. So I I, 
I wouldn't put too much stock into the idea that they can be out physical. They might. I mean, they might be. If they're going to lose, it's going to be because they turn the ball over. And against you know Pittsburgh secondary is pretty young. I don't. I don't see them doing. You know, I don't see them getting out to Tom Brady. Things. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I. You know, I've been wrong once before in these playoffs, so we'll see. <laughs> once and only once. Yeah, so far. Uh, so far. All right. So then, uh, Packers. Uh, was there anything better than the sound of, you know, like you know in that. You know in that, that scene from Star, Ro- Star Wars when Obi-Wan Kenobi says, it was as if millions of voices suddenly cried out and then were silenced. When Aaron Rodgers threw that pass to Cook along the sideline, that's the way I felt. When you could hear Cowboy Nation like scream out, we got him in fourth. Uh, <laughs> it was insane. Yeah, uh, That catch it was unbelievable to not only... To have his knees be at like a ninety degree angle, yeah. and get his, toes, his toes down on his toes and drag those toes. If that guy has not taken ballerina classes, I would be, I would be amazed. My favorite part about all that is when asked about it, Aaron Rodgers is like, eh, "I've made better throws and I've made more athletic plays." He threw off of the he rolled out to his side. He hadn't rolled out to the entire game. Threw off of his back foot across his body, thirty six yards on a line, and hit the guy in the basket. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, it, it, it was kidding? unbelievable. Um, and then the fact that they uh, they tried to ice the kicker. What, the fact that I mean that that last kick was. I mean, I thought for sure it was, I'm like, oh, it's going to hit the post, hit the post, and then it went through and just yeah, as, he knuckled as, and sucked. Yeah, and went yeah. back in. It was crazy. It as as we predicted, we knew that Dallas would be beaten. Over the top. Yep. Dallas can be beaten. They're not as good as they thought they were. I mean, say that about a lot of teams on the, on the, uh, you know, sitting on their couch the day after. But Kevin Brink said, uh, like halfway through the season, that Dallas wasn't going to get past the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, he called it. All right, so I'm looking at an, uh, an article from ESPN in 2012. So four years ago, four to five years ago, uh, it's from September 29th, 2012. So call it four years. Uh, what is the field goal accuracy rate after a kicker is iced compared to not being iced? Uh, since 2001, including the playoffs, kickers have successfully hit field goals at an 81% rate when no timeout was called prior to the snap and 76% when a timeout was called. So, 50-50. Yeah, I mean, what, <laughs> I mean, I guess you have to, if that's your last hope, you have to do it. It's worth noting that an average distance on iced kicks is 39 yards compared to 36 yards on kicks on which no timeout was called. That's a weird... It's a weird note. Also interesting, in overtime, the average distance of kicks after timeouts and kicks with no times out called is about the same, 37 yards. Uh, in that instance, icing the kicker by calling timeout works. Kickers hit only 69% when iced, 87% when they are not. That's crazy. I don't know that, I, I don't know that I've ever seen it work. I, I mean, I have seen it work, I believe, but I haven't seen it work in a long time. I, I can only recall off the top of my head once or twice where it's worked. Well, the kickers have said like we actually prefer it because we get a free, free run at the. Yeah, you get a free warm up. Yeah, you get a free warm up. I mean, you get to test the, the all the the wind. You get to test everything. So how about this? So uh, before Dallas kicked their field goal to go up three at the very end, there, why did Dak Prescott spike the football? I don't know. They have a timeout left. That's a Jason Garrett thing. How do, you, how do you not say, hey, we have a timeout to give. Let's run the ball up the middle. Let's let it get down to, we're in field goal, we're gonna, we're in field goal range now. Right. So let's run the ball up the middle. Let's get it. Let's, let's run one more play. Let's see if we can get it all the way down to 10 or 15 seconds. 
call timeout, and then run one more play and don't give him any time. He spiked the football, and then they kicked the field goal. It was like, what are you guys doing? I didn't think about it until much later. Uh, till much I later. didn't think about it until about 30 seconds ago. I, I just... I, I'm not, I don't want to say that Dallas gagged because that's clearly not what happened. They were just beaten by a much better quarterback. Um, you know, they, if you're a Dallas fan, you got to be pretty pumped. You know, although the fact that Jason Witten had his first, Jason Witten and Des Bryant had their first touchdown catches in postseason. In postseason, that was crazy. And at that stage in their careers, you know, Ezekiel Elliott is a great player, and Dak Prescott's going to be a good quarterback. I think. I think he'll regress next year, but he'll he's going to steadily increase. I don't think. He won't have the Kaepernick decline, but I think the teams will start to figure him out a little bit. And that's, he, that's, he's also really smart. He'll he'll adjust. Any any top player uh, tends to regress in year two, right? It just that's it's you know so, sophomore slump, whatever you want to call it. But sure. ultimately, you're drawing more attention. People are going to look at all of your tendencies. Right? They're going to look at everything. I just think you know if you're a Cowboy fan, you should have a lot of hope because you you played pretty well. But you had a guy, you had a <laughs> your defense is still bad. I don't. I don't care what. I know they were number one against the rush this year, but how in the world, how in the world does that guy does Cook get open at the end of the game like that? How, I they did a lot of things that made me scratch my head against Aaron Rodgers. That it's like just sell out against the sell out against the pass, make them beat you with the run. Like you're going to put up points, and they can't stop your run game. Like right. Ezekiel Elliott was a beast. I just I didn't understand. I didn't understand some of the, the stuff they did. The play calling was a little suspect. I'll, and, I'll give you that. And for sure, the spiking of the football made no sense to me. None. I just well, that's that falls into you know this is exactly what we talked about on ninety seven seven the river, Danny Wright morning show. Yep, we talk about you know it's it's going to be time of possession. It's going to be clock management, and part of that is correct play calling. Yeah, I mean it's 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 like I said on the former offensive coordinator for the Raiders, there were times in which he should have run a pass play, and he he ran the ball, and times he ran or. Times he passed and he should have ran. Yeah, but and this is but this sp- is the same thing where you've got this is poor play calling. A spike is not that's a that's not a quarterback's situation. That's a that's a coaching. That's a Jason Garrett thing. Right. I actually think the bigger issue is not necessarily the bigger issue is that as long as Jason Garrett is the head coach there, they're not going to have a good defense. I'm convinced about that because what supports that statement? Well, the fact that since he's they haven't had one since he's been there. And now, and they've drafted guys. It's not like they drafted Morris Claiborne. They dra- I mean, they've drafted defensive players that. Is should- that a departure of Wade Phillips since there? Is that, what is that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Obviously, Wade Phillips is more of a defensive minded coach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that is. I, I, I just, I wonder if it's because, you know, uh, you know, Jerry loves Jason Garrett and. Just thinks he's the greatest thing, and Jason Garrett wants offensive weapons, and that's I don't I haven't done a ton of research into it, but I just I watch all these games, and I watch all of their drafts, and they've done nothing. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's obviously worked out just fine. Their offensive line is great. That offense has been pretty good for the last couple of years. Um, you know, they drafted Prescott, but it's like, you know, was, you know, what I, I this year's draft will tell us a lot, right? About that, but because uh, here's the thing: in that NFC East, yeah, Dallas is on the up, but. So is Philadelphia. The Giants are clearly on the up, and Washington's on the up. So it's not like they're it's not like they're the favorite in that division next year. They were, you know, they had the best of it, the best record in the NFC, but they certainly weren't playing the best football. At the you know at the end of the year, I can tell you that from a personnel standpoint on this in the secondary, they're just overmatched. Right? That's not necessarily bad. That's not necessarily bad coaching. They're just overmatched. It's a it's a personnel issue. And the spike is just the one thing that really has me kind of scratching my head. Like you're almost playing there. Like we need to save the timeout in case we get the chance to 
but there's like 45 seconds left. You know, like right. I, or there was a, you know it's a minute 20 or whatever the timeline left was, but they had a chance to run it and run the clock all the way down, and they just they didn't do it. That's a Jason Garrett thing. Jason Garrett's obviously not going anywhere. No. Um, so it was I a great know. game. Green Bay deserved to win it, um, but I think they might be in trouble in Atlanta though. Yeah. Yeah, I I, uh, I think I think the the scheme that Atlanta runs there are f- I know it seems like you know Matt Ryan is having an MVP type season but their scheme really is uh, built on the run um, I actually heard Greg Cosell talking about this earlier in the week uh, he they are built off of that same sort of outside zone run scheme that uh, Mike Shanahan used to run with Denver when they had Terrell Davis and yep. Orlandis Gary and Clinton Portis and Mikey Anderson and all those guys. Um, they run a similar style there with a lot of cutbacks and things like that. Um, and they then they run all their play action schemes off of that run style. So if you watch some of that game, uh, especially late in the game, uh, Ezekiel Elliott broke off some of the bigger runs because he took advantage of over-pursuit by Green Bay's front seven. Right. So if you run that same cutback style, if you over-pursue to try and force them to the sideline, that running back's going to cut back and he's towards the middle. If you just remember that devastating Terrell Davis play that they ran the year they won the Super Bowl, they run that same play in Atlanta now. And Green Bay could be in a lot of trouble if they can't stay committed and stay disciplined against that. Because, you know, all it's going to take is two of those to keep everybody honest, right? Right. And so if he breaks two of those to keep everybody honest, and now you're either selling out harder against the run or you just like, listen, if they beat us on the ground, we're happy with that because it means that Matt Ryan's not beating us. But either way... Um, I don't know that I don't know that Green Bay is disciplined enough to stay home, and I don't know that their secondary is good enough to stop Matt Ryan. You can't blitz him; he'll kill you if you blitz him, which means that you're giving him an extra second and a half or two in the pocket, right? Um, and that's a and tough he, cover. God, he's so unbelievably smooth. Yeah, this year especially, like, he's, yeah, he's always a great you know, year, great year, phenomenal year. And he, like I like I mentioned earlier today, his presser, he was. Like I felt like he just smoked a joint. He was so relaxed. Yeah, that guy was. I mean, it was unbelievable. So I feel really, really, really worried about that. I also think like I think these next two games this weekend are probably going to be better games than the Super Bowl. And we all know the Super Bowl doesn't always furnish great games, but I, I it's unbelievable to just look at these two head head to head matchups and go, man, it, it's really not going to get much better than this. Well, I you might be right. You might be right. I think in Atlanta, New England, but the Super Bowl is better than a Green Bay, New England Super Bowl, and I think it's better than a Green Bay, Pittsburgh Super Bowl because I think Green Bay might actually blow Pittsburgh out. <laughs> I think um, if that were if that is to be what would happen because you're going to come. It's basically your your quarterback against quarterback from right. a, you know. And I don't know, dude. I think the I think the Green Bay Pittsburgh. I'm on that train. I think it'll be uh, as exciting. Because I feel like anytime you you put Tom Brady into the equation, it's he's at the Super Bowl. Now you're done. You, you, you've pissed Tommy off, and he's going to come back and, and kill you. Hasn't he lost three Super Bowls? He has. I'm just telling you. He's also lost. He, but he's also won a lot of playoff games. Sure. I just feel like once he gets to that platform and level, then it's over. Belichick will throw. Every, I mean, he's 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 a great coach. I just I, it's one of those things where I I struggle between animosity and fandom. Like I. I, I totally do. I appreciate them. Uh, yeah. I totally appreciate them uh, for athletes and everything else in between. But my goodness, I just think that it, I think a great, I think a good, really good Super Bowl would, would be Rodgers, 
Roethlisberger. Your best, your your best remaining offense is Atlanta's, and your best remaining defense is New England's. So, and then New England is probably your third best offense, right? and Atlanta is probably your third best defense. So, I, I just think. Um, you know, it's hard to bet against as, New England at home, and it's it's right. hard. You know, the, the Atlanta Green Bay game. I said on the radio, it's a coin flip for me, really. Right, and I but I feel like as 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 I feel like there's been better Atlanta teams than there is today. When? Uh, Chris Chandler. <laughs> no, I think I think I think uh, Matt Ryan's had had more more tools at his disposal. Right, but it's never been this well coached. Mike Smith is a good, was a good coach, where Dan Quinn and, and Dan Quinn is a great coach, and you know my boy Kyle Shanahan, who yeah. I said weeks ago I hoped he was the guy. Uh, Kyle Shanahan looks like he's, he is the guy. He is the guy. I know. Uh, he what he did against Seattle's defense was amazing. He carved him up. Yeah, just a scheme there. So they're they've never been this well coached, um, you know, and they've never been able to run the ball when they had Roddy White and Tony Gonzalez and Julio Jones. They had Stephen Jackson to run the ball. Right? right, and they haven't had a great running game since. Uh, oh, what was his name doing the Dirty Bird? Jamal Anderson. There you go. <laughs> um, Wasn't he? Didn't he do this one too? Yep. That's the Dirty Bird. That's the beginning of it, and that's oh, this, this was one. a Dirty Bird, and then this one, and then this one. There you go. Um, you know they haven't been able to run the football that this that as well as they do now since they've had Jamal Anderson there. Um, I think that's the big that's the big key, and it's an opportunistic defense. It makes just enough plays. To keep the offense on the field, you know their their best defense is the fact that the offense stays on the field consistently. Right. Um, you know, I, I, Aaron Rodgers, bro. I love Aaron Rodgers, dude. I think what he's done is amazing. Uh, I His State Farm commercials are hilarious. Yeah, I think they're great. And like I said, I, it's a coin toss. I think the thing that really sends it to, or you know, puts it, you know, for me is that Atlanta is at home. Atlanta is at home, uh, and they, they strike get, me as a team unlike like Seattle. The home field advantage, although we've talked about the three-point differential, the home field advantage, I feel like Atlanta is not that strong of a home team. And this is, again, this I have no stats to back this up. I'm oh, just saying take I feel like Atlanta is much like Houston. They're not a strong home team. Like Their home team advantage doesn't necessarily bring more to the table than anyone else. Dude, I don't know how you... That Houston, the Reliance Stadium was super loud against Oakland. It was... I don't know that it necessarily had that big of a, a stake in the game, but it was uh, it was pretty loud. I I don't know if I buy I don't know if I necessarily buy that. Let's see, they were uh, one and one, one and two, two and two, three and two, four and two, five and two, six and two. They were six and two at home this year. Six and two at home. You know, it is pretty loud. Um, I can remember when the Niners beat them there in the NFC title game back in, what, 13, 2013? I remember the noise being a problem for a big part of that game. Um, you know, it's just uh, it's just the defense, you know, the defense has to take advantage of all those things. And Aaron Rodgers has a funny way of silencing everybody. Yeah. Right? Like I said, it's as if, you know, 76,000 Cowboy fans suddenly cried out in terror know, and just, then were suddenly silenced. I mean, I know the Cowboys came back, but I felt like Aaron Rodgers owned them in the first quarter. I mean, he just... In the first quarter. He threw two picks in the second half. Right? I understand that. Uh, but I'm just telling you, like, I feel like... I don't Atlanta's defense is considerably better than Dallas's in the secondary. Yeah. And they they rush the passer better. I guess we're going to see. We are going to see. 
We are going to see. I just I don't know that you can necessarily make the comparison from that Dallas game to this Atlanta game. Atlanta is a different animal than Dallas is. Um, Atlanta, you know, they're a much more complete team. Uh, I was not that high on them at the beginning of the playoffs, but after watching them just dismantle Seattle, like yeah. I thought the game would be close. Um, I didn't see it being a boat race, and they dismantled Seattle. You know. Yeah, you know, I just, it, you know, again, I, I know you are so, you are way better at stats than I am. That's your thing. I, I look at it, I just, I don't know, man. I just, I feel like my gut is telling me, my gut's telling me Aaron Rodgers in that game. Um, sure. You're not, might, exactly, you're not exactly going out on a limb. No, but it's <laughs> one of those things, like, I just, I'm sticking to my guns. Like, I just feel like he is, he is a unbelievable quarterback. They will find a way to win. Uh, I really like McCarthy as a coach. Yeah. Um, I just yeah. remember earlier in the year when they were talking about those two guys are possibly done in Green Bay. Right. How silly was that? <laughs> Idiots. Idiots. Anyway, uh, anything you want to add uh, other than that was our, our football? I mean, keep in mind, as we, we dance around and talk about this, this uh, football game, football match, um, we're, we're coming up on a, on a one-year anniversary. We are for indeed. Us. We are. I believe the one-year anniversary is a mixing board, <laughs> not diamonds or pearls or any of that shit. It's a mixing board. So. The Atlanta Falcons only scored less than twenty points once this year. <laughs> Fair that enough. Is, I'm just, I'm just now, just kind of cycling through. That some was of the it. Game that's stats. the that's the stat that changed my mind on everything. Fuck no, 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 right. no, no, no. I just, I, I'm just cycling as you're telling <laughs> no, the story no. about how I owe you a mixing board or something. I. <laughs> And listen, I'm looking through the game stats, and yeah, the uh, Maddie, uh, Maddie Ices, Matt Fisher's Philadelphia Eagles held him to 15 points in Philly on November 13th. There you go, professor. The professor <laughs> oh, dropping man. knowledge. No, no one owes any anyone anything. I just I would like to call out that we are creeping up on our one year anniversary. Uh, I don't think we're going to do anything special for it. I think we're going to acknowledge it and move on. Yeah, well, because no one wants to be that annoying couple. Yeah, and it's you know it's been a year, and we're not, still not on TV or on. You know, I guess we're on the radio now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, uh, anything? There's uh, more sports stuff to talk about. You want to take a quick five? Let's take a quick five. Regroup. Come, come right back. Perfect. We'll be right back. Sports meets beer episode thirty-six. Speaking of low code, yeah, let's uh, let's call it up. I think we should leave this next segment with cue the, yeah, cue the music. On this week's segment of low cone shit tweet of the week, now many of you who may or may have not heard this segment before, we are uh, bastardizing a uh, local columnist, Low Cone, for his misuse of Twitter. Consequently, the power of Sports Meets Beer podcast has uh, made Low Cone retire. Yeah. However. It's, there's, it's, there's not even a doubt That's this is why he retired. However. The, the digital is, medium is more difficult than I imagined. I can't take the constant uh, insults from, of these guys from Sports Meets Beer. Uh, 
but he he has promised to continue to use Twitter. So fear not, this segment <laughs> will continue oh, as long man. as he continues to own a smart telephone. And I guarantee he calls his smartphone a smart telephone. Yeah, uh, you know, I uh, he did a an, a one hour long interview with his son Grant on KMBR with uh, Larry Kruger and Gary Radnish this week. I was alerted to it by our triglyceride correspondent, uh, Kevin Brink. But uh, I have not had a chance to listen to it yet, but apparently it's pretty classic. He, he dropped some nice little one-liners in there. But fear not, fear not. Uh, we have some uh, shit tweet of the week candidates. Here we go. Uh, Buckle up, everybody. This is not safe for work, by the way. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> if you listen to our podcast at work, you've probably been fired by now. Exactly. Uh, if Elliot Wolf was not Niner's first choice, he should have been. This is fun. Still tweeting in my pajamas. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guarantee that's true. He's not lying. He's not like in a robe. He's just he's uh, literally reading David Dalton's book on Bob Dylan. Nice. My favorite song, Mr. Tambourine Man. Mark Purdy, a Dylanophile, disagrees. Okay. <laughs> Mark Purdy's another writer, right? Yeah, he's another writer for yeah. the for the uh, Mercury News. Elliot Wolf backs out as GM candidate for Niners. My guess didn't want to be subordinate to Little Shanny. <laughs> the discontent on your face. I'm trying not to look at you to make sure you're not looking. I don't want to. I don't want to try to sway my my decision based on whether or not I'm like reading something right. off of the thing. I mean, it just. I mean, that is just absolutely. It's garbage. Absolutely brutal. Um, no one, including Wolf, needs the Niners. No one. He's with Green Bay. The Niners need everything. Okay. <laughs> so those are our. Those are our. The one in his robe is the fake one. So. So, all right. So, so I'm gonna read. The, I'm gonna read all these guys again, and just real quick, so you can guess. Uh, let's see. Uh, if Elliot Wolf was not Niners' first choice, he should have been. This is fun. Still tweeting in my pajamas. Reading David Dalton's book on Bob Dylan. Nice. My favorite song, Mr. Tambourine Man. Mark Purdy, a Dylanophile, disagrees. That's totally legit because there's another writer involved. <laughs> Elliot Wolf backs out as GM candidate for Niners. My guess didn't want to be subordinate to Little Shanny. No one, including Wolf, needs the Niners. He's with Green Bay. The Niners need everything. Maybe the Little Shanty is a bad one. That's pretty shitty. I think you made that up. You made Little Shanty up because it's uh, not confirmed yet. Final answer? Little Shanty. Little Shanty is a real tweet. In Fuck. fact, all of these are real tweets. <laughs> you, triple, you can't triple stamp a double stamp. Uh, I just, I read this. I'm like, now that he doesn't write for any for the Chronicle. He's or for, clearly laying for, in his pajamas. He doesn't give a fuck, dude. No he does fucks not give given. a fuck. Maybe we should have like a, at the end of this segment, have a thug life rap beat. Oh my Something God. crazy. No, it, it's the, the, uh, the, uh, Kyle Shannon thinks done. They, uh, it's yeah. Uh, what's his name? It's Dan, all but Dan, Qu- out. Dan Quinn announced to all the coaching staff that Kyle was going to be leaving. Arthur Blank did an interview with ESPN saying that it was going to be a big loss. Right? I mean, it, like, right. there's all they just there's the writing is on the wall. Yeah, there's only so much they can do without tampering. Um, and then Elliot, for those of you who are not familiar, as of 
5.45 on the 19th here, on Thursday the 19th. Um, Elliot Wolf, the assistant general manager for uh, the Green Bay Packers, took himself out of the 49ers GM search. Uh, but by all accounts, uh, Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk said that the reason why he did that is because Green Bay offered him a bigger contract, and he was also kind of feeling like um, uh, he was all, he negotiated a deal with Green Bay because he felt like Gudekinst was also was the front runner anyway. So he just felt like rather than kind of just wait it out, he'd just take the deal in Green Bay. Um, Shanny. I can't believe he tweeted. Yeah, little He's, Shanny. Little Shanny. Already talking shit on the new head coach. I know. I mean, if you want to get disrespect any other way, go ahead and talk shit on a guy that hasn't even inked the paper yet. Yeah, I know. Just brutal. Little uh, Shanny, say something. Uh, you know, the Niners, I know they're getting a lot of crap right now because they have waited so long or it's taken so long to get a coach. But who's been hired that's been like a home run candidate right now? It's been a lot of, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the street hustle shuffle game. Yeah. Hiding the, you know, hide the coin, hide the fucking pee, An- whatever. Anthony, Anthony Lynn in San Diego is not necessarily a home run. No, he still right. called them the San Diego Chargers. I know. It was great. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, I don't remember who the Buffalo Bills hired. You know, there just there hasn't been like the big. It's not like they lost out on no. these big time candidates. Although Denver is somehow stacking up all of its, uh, it it hired the defensive back coach from the Raiders. Uh, I've lost <laughs> his name. Hired Musgrave as quarterback coach. Hired Mike McCoy. Yeah, from the Chargers. Like he, they're building like, this is going to be a mega band. Yeah, we've got Brett Michaels and we've got Slash and we've got yeah. all these. You're There's building a mega band. Forty eight year old drummer from Sticks in that band. I don't know. We'll see how that works out. So here's the thing with the Lowell Cone, man. Like, do we feel like he's going to tweet only about sports, or do we think maybe there's like a new cornucopia of topics he'll be tweeting about now that he's retired? Like what? Antique stores? Antique stores? Shitty or, wine tasting? What's it? Yeah, we're going to follow it the whole way. I don't know. Whatever book he's reading, like he's this Dylan, this Bob Dylan book. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. That's going to be great. Or and how, uh, many, how of like what? We're going to follow him down his wormhole of retirement. We're gonna keep. We're gonna keep dibs. Uh, I'm looking of the of his most recent five tweets. Two of them are retweets of his. No, no, no. One. Sorry, I misread that. So five. One of his last five tweets is a retweet of one of his son's columns. How many of his tweets? What percentage of his tweets just become retweets of Grant's shit? Uh, at least sixty percent, and they're gonna follow 60%. with my son's column. My son's column. His column. Yeah. Uh, my boy's column. Little cone. Little, a junior cone. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you, Lil Cone, for the uh, current content and future content. I think. I On think. this segment of Lil Cone's Shit Tweet of the Week. <laughs> hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, we got to wrap this up, man. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. All right. We'll, we'll, uh, we're going to attack some Hall of Fame stuff for baseball next episode. We'll yeah. attack some uh, some Warriors talk because after really we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a really dry week next week after this round of games it's gonna be Super Bowl round maybe we'll go back and revisit some of our Super Bowl clips I don't know we'll figure it out anyways we really appreciate listening episode thirty six segment one of Sports Meets Beer podcast. <laughs>